fruitfulness, faithfulness, and fire. I want to talk a little bit about these three things, fruitfulness, faithfulness, and fire, but uh, the scriptures are pretty clear in the New Testament about these three things, and I wanted to just highlight them this morning as we're thinking and coming back to the place where we're asking every member of our church to sign up to serve. This is not something that we uh, originally said this is gonna be like a tenant of our faith, but when we started this church, uh, when you start in a house, and when, then we moved very soon to a hotel, the rule was everybody serves. No one, no one is above service. Everybody serves because you gotta pack out chairs and sound systems and if there's gonna be a children's ministry, it's gonna be because somebody did it and we did and uh, everybody served. And then we morphed that into everybody serves using the grace on their life. Everybody serves in an area of a particular strength in your life. And that became the rule. And for many, many years, uh, for the first 15 years of Northlands, we were 95% and upwards of our members served. And in recent years, COVID uh, threw that out, and we're down to about 60, 65% of our members serve. And I just want to say to the other 35%, no, don't do that. Everybody serves. That's still the rule. And I know that some people are saying, you know, but Greg, you don't understand. I'm not serving out of, out of a sense of strength or arrogance. I'm serving because I don't think I have anything to give. And if there's some people sitting in this place and you think that, that, you think that way about yourself, that I don't have anything to give, I just want to say to you, please, open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Because he wants to take that lie out of your heart. Because it really is a lie. I want to speak about our nature, our environments, and the cages that we sometimes live in. A bird was created to fly. Everything about a bird, its, its desire for flight, its muscular structure, its eyesight, its feathers, everything about a bird yearns to fly. It's designed to fly. But some birds are put in cages and hung up in rooms. And although everything about it was designed to fly, it hops around for the rest of its life. They're put in a cage, and the natural ability is hindered by that environment. So you have the, the nature of the bird, you have the environment it's stuck in in the cage that lives. Fish is made to swim. It needs water to push against. Its environment, it functions naturally. Without lessons. There's no like swimming school for fish. They're just born into the environment, and they can do it. The habitat is important though. And when God created human beings, he created us to have dominion over everything he had created. Think about that. He breathed, he breathed his own spirit into humans. He made us of the same essence of him. He made us in his image. He wanted human beings to have dominion and power and authority and to exercise that on the earth. Just like birds don't become flyers, they're born with it in the inside of them. And just like fish aren't taught to swim, they're born into that environment and automatically function there. Human beings ought to be born onto this planet and rule, but we were born into a cage, trapped by our sin, the heritage of a rebellious ancestor. And when we were born again, however, the beauty is this brand new life. The cage is broken. 
You're emancipated from everything that held you so that now dominion and majesty and authority and power and all the meaning that's on the inside of us can find full expression. And some people are still trapped in cages of their own choosing. Sometimes it's the environment. Sometimes the cages of other people's opinion. I've had to decide that I don't hold other people's opinions about what I can and can't do very highly. Neither should you. Sometimes our cages are because the enemy has lied to us. Sometimes our current culture appeal to popularity or whatever else. And we stop from walking into all that God has put on the inside of us, all that you were born to be. We stop and don't do those things. And we live out lives in the cage of choice. You don't have to, but many people unfortunately do. The only person that you and I should listen to is the manufacturer. So I can do and you can do what your manufacturer says you can do and anything else less than that is a lie. I thought there'd be at least one amen there. (laughs) You were created in Christ Jesus to show off the display of God's image on the earth. You were created and chosen by Jesus to be fruitful on this planet. But we have to be careful we're not gonna get trapped by some deceitful scheme or some issue that the enemy's put out there. Don't be taken captive or put in a trap And Paul keeps talking about this. No matter where you look in the New Testament, Paul just keeps saying, and other apostles, just watch out. Don't get taken captive. Watch out for these traps. So let me read you some of those. Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Corinthians, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Colossians, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Timothy, he says, I pray for you that you would escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, if I'm going to be somebody who walks into all the destiny that God dreamed for me, and I avoid the traps that this world will bring, and so should you, and I want to show off the image of Jesus to my generation, then I understand that my environment matters. The environment I tend to want to do that in is going to make a difference. And the environment that Jesus called me to have dominion and to have fruitfulness in is within the environment of me serving other people, using the strength on my life to bless and serve other people. That is the environment I'm supposed to swim in. And so when we talk about leadership and dominion and authority and power, that's the water we swim in. The moment the church wants to step out of that place, we want to take dominion. There is a subtle movement in the church that has come in Christianity to suggest that our job is to be the supreme commanders of every sphere of society. Now, I believe Christians should be in every sphere of society and they should be influencing like salt and light every sphere of society. But the subtlety is not that we should be in every, is that we should have dominion over every sphere of society and that we should take command and we should make the world and worldly people submit to Christian values even though their hearts have not been changed. It's kind of Christian Sharia law. 
right? Now, and the idea is that if we dominate, if we can, if we can outweigh, can create more money, bring us more success, lift us up in more fame, give us more power, then surely the world will envy us and covet what we have and ask to see the gospel. Beware of that. It's a subtlety that's crept into the church, and it's not at the kingdom. That's not the history of the church. Church history is the story of God's people living out the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount by serving and walking in humility and being trustworthy and loving one another through the toughest of times. And in the seeming weakness of that reality, they rise in marvelous influence and transforming power for their world. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And when the church chose to take dominion and to hoard wealth and to command political leaders and to rule international politics, it was at the height of its apostasy. There's a story when Thomas and Aquinas went in to meet with Pope Innocent II. He found the Pope counting this big pile of money and the Pope said to him, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And Thomas replied, true, Holy Father, but neither can she say, arise and walk in Jesus' name. The church functions best in an environment of service to one another. So let's talk about how to bear eternal fruit, which is why Jesus said he chose you. Let's talk about fruitfulness. In fruitfulness, your environment matters. The environment we choose to live in with our brand new creation is really quite important. Our new nature works best in an environment of humility and service. You were given a brand new nature when you came into Christ. And the water, the environment that that new nature flourishes in is in humility and in service. It does not flourish in arrogance and desire to be served. I know this is not the sexiest message you've heard. <laughs> okay, people are like, hey, what else you got? Then you have something nice here, don't you? I'm just trying to be as accurate as I can. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to deliver a, a profound, a titillating message. I'm trying to say as clearly as I can say, friends, this is what the gospel says. This is who we are. And the moment we retreat into arrogance and hedonism, we remove ourselves from the environment where we can bear fruit for the kingdom. Please hear this. People think they can be arrogant and selfish, and it's all about me, and then they can bear fruit for the kingdom. But the kingdom's fruit is not born in that. The kingdom's fruit is only born in humility and service. It's not born in arrogance and hedonism. And if we want to bring heaven to earth... We have to learn to breathe and live and experience the atmosphere of heaven. <laughs> Too many people try and embrace worldliness and a love of things that are different to the kingdom. And then they excuse it by saying, well, this is on behalf of the kingdom. But in the kingdom of our God, fruitfulness springs from the environment of service and humility. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me, for I am humble and gentle 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I am, this is who I am. This is one of the I am's that he said. I am the, the salt of, I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. I am humble. I am gentle. This is not something Jesus gave up when he ascended and became the king of glory. He is still humble and gentle. Amen. It's not a role he was playing for a brief while. So that now he's harsh and arrogant. In that environment, Jesus said, humility and gentleness, you'll find rest for your soul. You go arrogant and hedonistic, there is no rest. Zero. <laughs> and as a leader, it took me a long time, I'm embarrassed to say, as a leader of the church, I came to this realization that I will never ever in my entire life or after this life graduate beyond my status as a servant of God's people. Good leadership matters. I believe that with all my heart and can bring great blessing to many people. But there used to be a subtle expectation in my heart that if I could get to be successful enough as a church leader, that that success would buy me a place where I no longer needed to serve, but I could be served. And my experience in ministry has been exactly the opposite. Every time the Lord has said, hey, 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 I've got something exciting for you. I go, Woo, what is it? He goes, yeah. And it's to a diminished inheritance that costs me more. It's like, isn't this the way it's supposed to work? Aren't you supposed to be climbing the mountain? I'm digging a hole. What I have discovered is that my role in service changes, but the more authority I've been given in the kingdom, the greater the sacrifice and the more the service costs to me. Some of you guys say, where's the happy news in this? That's it, right there. In other words, the greater the mission, the deeper the commission to serve. Listen to Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus used the word son of man, which was, which was a, a scripture came in Daniel where Daniel sees this picture of heaven and God the Almighty is sitting on his throne and someone appears at his right hand, someone like the son of man. And to that person, God infers all authority and dominion and power over all things on the earth. Jesus Christ has been given all rule and authority. It was Jesus' favorite name for himself. I'm the son of man. And Jesus said, I, that guy, the son of man who has all authority and power did not come to be served I came to serve Phew. if you had absolute command if you could make anybody do anything you liked at any stage of your life and you had the whole of mankind under your authority 
What would you do with it? I think I'd be tempted to fix a few people. <laughs> Jesus said, with all that authority, he came to serve and to lay his life out down for, on our behalf. That's what he did with it. So let me say this as clear as I can. The environment you were born to rule in where you find your most fruitfulness and your authority and your greatness is gonna be revealed in service. The further you get away from service, the further you remove yourself from the environment that you were born to fly or swim in. Fruitfulness grows out of the soil of service. Kingdom fruitfulness grows out of the soil of service. I know a lot of people being, doing a lot of impressive things and I'm not sure it's all in kingdom fruit. But kingdom fruitfulness grows out of the soil of service. How are you doing? See, Jesus said, now that you understand this, do you understand this principle? If you understand this, now the blessing on your life will come when you put it into practice. Let me show you this. People, people think I make this stuff up. I'm telling you, it's not. Look, John 13. <laughs> Jesus, in the moment of revelation that he is the master of the universe, gets up, washes his disciples' feet. And then this is what he says to them afterwards. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is going to be greater than his master. Stop. <laughs> if I want to be like my master, then I have to be like my master. And Jesus said, a servant cannot be more than his master. That means I am commissioned to serve. And when I'm in the place of my greatest authority and in the place of my greatest strength, I need to be all the more careful to serve in that moment. Because you can never be more than your master. Oh, you know, I've reached a level, a plateau, where I no longer have to serve. You can never get there. Listen to this. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Some of you are going, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear that. Because now that you know, the blessing on your life comes when you put that into practice. It's not enough to go, oh, amen, I love that. Now I've got to go, all right, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Let's talk about faithfulness. Who you choose to serve matters. I want to be a wise investor of my treasure and time and talent and purpose and title, finances. I've been called to serve God and I've been called to serve other people 
with the grace that God put on my life. Our call to faithful stewardship of the various graces God has given us is right on my life. Ty shared the scripture last week. I thought really ably, really good job. But now I can use the gifts God has given me for me and my family and my company and so we can make a decent living and even more if possible. But the faithful administration of my gifts start being measured in a kingdom sense by the time I start to serve others with that strength. Who I serve with the grace of my life matters. On Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Faithful stewardship of that grace. The faithful stewardship of the strength on your life is gonna be measured by how many people you serve using your strength. If faithful stewardship is measured in the kingdom by service to others, then I have some investment decisions to make. If I invest my grace gifts in others, they last for eternity. And so I say, oh Lord, I understand. Lord, you're so worthy and majestic. You're so kind and good. I will serve you. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, well then feed my lambs and take care of my sheep. And go, but they're not worthy and majestic and kind and good. I, I, I want to serve you. He goes, yeah, but you, you need to serve me by serving them. But some of them are ugly and mean. I don't think they deserve my service. Yeah, but you're never going to be above your master. And if Jesus took the attitude that he's only gonna come and lay down his life for those who deserved it, he wouldn't have come. Yeah, that's good. Amen. So the revelation for me was like, Lord, I, I'll serve you. He goes, good, I want you to go serve them. I go, oh, can't I just fly in, teach, and then fly out? He goes, no, I want you to lay your life down for my people. Can't, isn't there another way? Can't I, find, can't I find, be faithful as an administrator of the grace of my life in a different way? No. That's how I measure it. You pour out your strength and your grace and your ability on behalf of others. Each one, each one should use whatever grace gift you have received to serve others. So service of others is the start of faithful stewardship. I get it. People use their grace all the time to you know, do well in their job and to prosper themselves. And I'm, there's nothing, there's no evil there. That's wonderful. Bless you. Praise God. But the service of other people with your strengths is where faithful stewardship starts in the kingdom sense. It's wrapped up in service. Let's talk about fire. How I build matters. Mark 9, Jesus said, everyone will be salted with fire. That's a fascinating concept. God has a, a salt shaker. This is Haswell theory. 
God has a salt shaker with, full of pure fire. And one day, I imagine this, when I stand before the king and you and everybody else, because of the grace of God on my life and because I've believed in his son, Jesus Christ, we're not talking about a judgment of my life, heaven or hell. No, I'm, I'm, I'm making heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God will take hold of the one ear and unravel my life. You know, my whole life will be laid bare because everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account, the scripture says. And God will say, with a smile, salt shaker of fire, Everything will be salted with fire. That fire is a thing of beauty. Let me read you what Paul says. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Each one should build with care. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on that foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even only as one escaping through the flames. God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just salt your whole life with fire. And everything that I did was selfish, mean, judgmental, full of envy, full of arrogance, full of disobedience, full of hatred, full of selfish ambition. That just gets burned up because his grace is just that magnificent because he wants to have no memory of that. How kind is our God? Just burns that all up. Now, he says, if what he has built survives, he gets a reward for that. I think some people who have built massive, massive things will not pass the fire test because they built it in selfish ambition or out of arrogance or by treading on other people or by hurting other people. Not sure entirely, in fact, I am sure, that will not pass the fire test. It's not gonna stand. They themselves will be saved because they believed in Jesus. But like somebody who woke up at three o'clock in the morning and their whole house is on fire and you woke up just in time to grab the kids and wipe and run out of the house. Get in heaven with smelly pajamas. That's how you're gonna get, that's what the Bible says, some of the people. Every time... I use the strength that God gave me to serve somebody else. That is a building block that would pass the fire test. Because I invest in people and people last forever. And every time I served the Lord, every time I stepped in obedience, every time I was moved by love or faith or hope, every time I desired to serve somebody else, that is a building block that stays and you will receive reward. Jesus said not even a cup of water given in my name will fail to receive its reward. God is interested in this. If I'm gonna be somebody who's interested in investment, then I, and I start to go, I need to invest now for eternity. That's why Jesus said, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Well, how do I do that? You serve other people. Because every time I stoop low to serve somebody else, to lift them high, it's like a building block. Oh, built, good, nice. And fire, the fire test is gonna make that shine. It's just gonna look good. 
Every act of service is a building block that lasts into eternity. <laughs> so let's talk about fruitfulness, faithfulness, and fire. Fruitfulness is your environment matters. Where you choose to serve, you get involved with a group of people who have the same heart and go, I'm gonna go serve with you. Your faithfulness, who you serve matters, and it's gonna be other people. And, and if your service costs you and they're not worthy of your service, don't go, wow, I'm giving up. No, that's exactly the moment. That's exactly the space. Big building blocks for eternity. Doesn't bother me. They spit on my service. They mock. They accept my service as though they think I'm inferior to them. It's fine. Big building blocks in eternity. I'm not really doing it for them. I'm doing it because my king said, this is how we act. This is how we are. This is the life we choose to live. And how I build matters. How you build matters. Fruitfulness, faithfulness, and fire. Let me wrap this up. Many, many years ago, I've told the story often, but my father called me Actually, I called my father because I was going to be speaking at a large group of men, a men's ministry meeting and called my dad. And just I had, I had nothing. You know, it was one of those weeks that I'd been preaching everywhere and I preached myself out. And I said, called my dad. I was looking for inspiration. I said, hey, dad, what do you need from your church? What would you like to hear from them? And he said, I'd like it if they recognized me. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't help. That just sounds arrogant. Uh, you know. So I put on the phone. I was, you know, and then I realized what my dad was saying, and it's changed the way I think about things. Because he said, my dad was a man full of compassion. He had a real heart for downtrodden people. Uh, he, you know, he just had a, a real gift of mercy. And he was a leader. He was a lawyer, recognized in the community. And all, they, all the church he was in expected him to do was to sit and listen to the hour-long, you know, come attend the hour-long thing, and then put whatever change was in his pocket in the offering. That was the expectation of him. And if somebody had seen my father and had known about that gift in him, that heart that beat in him for, because my, my folks started counseling services and they were involved in crisis, they would go out and, you know, if somebody, guy was beating his wife, they'd go in a crisis team to rescue the woman. And this is 40, 50 years ago. Uh, that was his heartbeat. He just cared about people. And if somebody had recognized that gift of mercy on him and said, Tom, you have a great gift of mercy. Would you, could you look after the widows and the orphans? Could you look after all the divorced people? Could you look after this? My dad would have had sleepless nights planning that. You wouldn't have had to ask him. You wouldn't have had to give him a budget because he would have enthused all his friends. He would have pulled them all into that ministry. Would have been the best run ministry in the church. If they had recognized him, he said, if they would recognize me. He wasn't asking for fame. He's going, there's something in my heart that I feel like I was born to do. I, I can't sleep sometimes because this thing beats in me. And there's some of you sitting there and you know God's put ministry on the inside of you and you're waiting. Oh, I, I hope somebody will recognize me. I just wanna say the best way we can recognize you, get involved in serving somewhere and let your passion fly. People will see it. It'll become evident. There are people sitting in this meeting 
and there's ministry that you were called to. And it's massive. And its environment is service. So get involved in serving. I don't want to know if there's a member in our church who hasn't signed up to serve. Really, come on, we can do better than this. Because we serve. Not because I'm saying it, but because that's what the Word of God says. Each one, each one should use whatever grace they have received to serve others. Some people sitting here and thinking, I don't have anything to give. I'm not worthy. I've messed up too much. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I want to speak just a word to you as we're closing, especially to you. Please don't let the devil put you in a cage. Because your freedom, your fruitfulness, the beauty of your life is going to come when you break out and start to serve. And you will be astounded at how the Lord will use your life and your gifts and your perspective to minister to many others. Don't let the enemy put you in a cage where you stop serving. In just a little while, I'm going to close in prayer. It's going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask the Lord to whisper to you, I want you serving here. As is our habit every year, we ask everybody, unashamedly, sign up to serve for at least a year. At the end of the year, everybody's automatically off the grace team that they signed up for because we don't want you to, we want you to, if you're hating it, we go, well, I can hang in till the end of the year. And then you can sign up for another one. Most people find a space where they absolutely love it and they sign up consistently for the same team because they found their space and they can find a place that they can bring the strength on their life to serve other people. But I'm asking you, sign up. Be part of this. So that the church is not run by one or two people. The church is every single member doing what it was born to do. That's church. That's where life really lives.